0: From the Mercy One studio.
1: Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients.
0: Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith.
2: Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano is
3: in session.
1: And good Thursday morning from the Mercy One studio in West Des Moines. I'm Deacon Mike Mano sitting here in the studio with Gina No. Good morning, Gina. How are you?
3: Good morning, Deacon. I am doing well. What a beautiful day I am just going to say,
1: spring is uh, finally starting to oh, fingers show crossed. itself. <laughs> <laughs> and toes. Yes. I, I saw someplace uh, last night, I guess, on the news that it might get up to 60 over the weekend.
3: I think it hit 60 yesterday, didn't it? Did, I don't it know. It was
1: just beautiful. I don't know. Yes. I was too but busy. don't
3: get too complacent. You know, we are in Iowa, mm-hmm. and the weather can go south. Very quickly, yeah. or north, or north, or, conditions.
1: <laughs> or wherever wherever it goes. Yeah, yeah. That's um, but I am watching it. It looks like most of the snow in my backyard has melted now, yes, leaving me mud. Wow, which is mud. And I, that's why I'm hoping it gets up to sixty, gets dried out a little bit.
3: At least you're not cleaning dogs' feet this year. That's right. That's right. Sadly, not, yeah, I guess. we
1: we miss Buster. You'd
3: rather be cleaning those. Feet.
1: We we miss Buster, right? But um, we're. Um, We've got Gilligan, and she keeps us on our toes. Right,
3: but she's not playing in the mud, But so she's that's not good. playing
1: in the mud. We don't let her outside at all unless she's on a leash or uh, we're holding her.
3: Very nice. No, we she d- gets you know, a little she, yeah. fresh air.
1: Yeah, she gets a little fresh air, but she sits by the window and watches the birds come to the bird feeder and jumps up on the glass. and. But a cute cat. She's a cute cat. Yeah, I've never had one before, and I, I really like this one. And it just, like I say, it's happenstance that we got her because she was just dropped off at one week old out in front of our front yard. So, Well,
4: that's good.
3: We've well, been. so we've got a lot in the news, speaking of the news. Mm-hmm. We've got um, churches opening up, courts requiring churches to, to, or giving churches permission to open up.
1: Right, Brad Dacus is going uh, to join us and talk about some of that. And he's also going to talk about this bill that is in the California legislature, that says if you are a doctor and somebody comes and wants assistance in committing suicide and you turn them down, you have to provide somebody who will do it.
3: Or what? That's what we'll ask him. Mm-hmm. What happens in that? What are the provisions for mm-hmm. penalties in we, that will, we will talk about that. Um, and, that's, and that's a pervasive legislation that's growing from the coasts and t- Towards the innermost states of our country, mm-hmm. um, so it's important for us to take a look at how that progresses in california yeah,
1: because if if you've been following the show uh as we 've been on the air, um, we've seen a lot of things start in California or New York, Massachusetts, in that area, and they kind of work inward till it eventually hits us, yes, and then it becomes commonplace everywhere and uh, and it just boggles my mind. And we've talked about this before, the idea of same-sex marriage. It hit like a bombshell and just spread. And I don't know how that spread so fast, but it did. And now apparently it's the law of the land, if you listen to the Supreme Court. So, uh, and a lot of other things are going on here, too, um, especially some of the, the political things. We'll touch on some of them uh, eventually uh, because they do have a, an impact on the church. But uh, yeah, it's just amazing how many uh, ideas that we would have rejected out of hand ten years ago are now being accepted. Socialism, for one thing, you know.
3: <laughs> that's right. More people think that's a more good idea without knowing the history behind it. Right. It's uh, Re- history does repeat itself, doesn't it? It does. And and it's important for us as to for people of faith to understand how their rights to practice their faith are being um, in, infringed upon through Slowly these Slowly infringed
1: upon. You're like the frog in the water <laughs> where the water is heating up. And then ultimately the water will start to boil and the frog has no idea, no idea what happened, but he's fried. Uh, whereas if you threw him into a hot bo- boiling pot of water, he'd jump right out. Yeah. So that's the way it feels like out there. We're also going to talk a little bit uh, later in the show uh, about this uh, COVID vaccine. Oh, yeah. A lot of people have, uh, have objections to it for all sorts of reasons, uh, some of them moral, uh, some of them medical. Uh, but the question that keeps coming up is, can I be forced to take it? And uh, we have an interesting answer, perhaps for you later, Alexandria Schneider, who is with Life Legal Defense Foundation. She's going to be talking about that.
3: Well, you saw the new New Orleans, Louisiana um, diocese came out and said, stay away from
1: the Johnson and Johnson. The, is it Johnson one. and mm-hmm. Johnson? Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: Um, which I found interesting. It'll be interesting to have a. We'll get a take from Alexandra. We'll, we'll talk
1: up. to her about that. She's she's up with that. So uh, let's open up here with a,
3: with a prayer. Do you have a prayer? I do. I have a prayer for peace this morning. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God of peace, bring your peace to our violent world. Peace in the hearts of all men and women, and peace among the nations of the earth. Turn to your way of love, those whose hearts and minds are consumed with hatred. Strengthen us in hope and give us the wisdom and courage to work tirelessly for a world where true peace and love reign among nations and in the hearts of all. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you very much. Gina and I will be back in a few minutes. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa
2: Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the morning is provided by Blessman International. Blessman International partners with volunteers and donors to provide sustainable programs for children in South Africa by leading a 12-day, all-inclusive experience sharing the heart of Christ with vulnerable children in South Africa. Teams are forming to do something significant in an African child's life. Learn more at international.org. That's international.org. Thank you, Blessman International, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio.
0: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Catholic Women Now, provided in part by Permar Security providing security solutions for homes and businesses since 1953. Permar Security is a Catholic-owned family business supplying security systems, access control systems, video surveillance, fire alarm systems, and video doorbells. All alarm systems are monitored out of their monitoring center located in the state of Iowa. Permar Security, 515-244-5660, permarsecurity.com.
6: Support for
0: Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning is provided by Five Sons Naturescapes. Five Sons Naturescapes is a Catholic veteran-owned family company providing premium outdoor landscaping, clean up and restore outdoor living space with retaining walls, privacy fencing, pergolas, paver sidewalks, and patios. Issues with soil settling and water around the foundation and yard? Five Sons Naturescapes can grade and install drainage tile to help. Five Sons Naturescapes online at fivesonsnaturescapes.com.
1: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imaging Ingredients. Imaging Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. And you're listening to Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio, and we are back now with uh, Brad Dacus, who uh, we found at an airport. Brad, you there with us? Yes, I am. Uh, thank you. You're not uh, You're not trying to skip the country for some reason, are you?
7: No, not this time. <laughs> no, we need you here, for yeah, sure. We,
1: we need especially in California, uh, with what's going on there. Um, I want to talk to you about a couple of things here. First of all is this uh, uh, SB 380, the bill that would um, penalize, I guess, uh, physicians if they didn't refer people for um, assistance with their suicide
7: yeah this is uh, very ugly uh, legislation particularly from a uh, religious freedom perspective much less from a humanitarian perspective Um, as you know uh, doctors uh, have religious convictions many times they they need to follow but all doctors have to take the Hippocratic oath uh, and that is not to uh, to kill people Um, that's to uh, to help people, uh, save people, uh, for them to to live and recover, and uh, but not not to kill people. Um, and so this is a, a violation on two fronts: the Hippocratic Oath, as well as uh, their own conscience under the uh, free exercise clause of the First Amendment of the Constitution.
1: So, what exactly does the bill require?
7: Well, the bill requires um, doctors, you know, to uh, if, if they're not it requires them to to carry out um, an assisted suicide if someone requests it however if 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 the uh, health care provider or the doctor um, is unable or unwilling to carry it out, um then they have to uh, to transfer it to someone else who is qualified uh, to do it. Uh, they can't just simply say, "No, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to assist you. Um, they in essence do have to assist them by sending them and their medical records to someone who uh, is willing to, to do the dirty work to have someone prematurely killed.
1: Um I was I'll gonna, gonna say, say, say my my understanding is that uh uh it's once somebody says I, I need help committing suicide and the doctor says I'm not gonna do that it's up to the doctor now to actually find somebody that will do it. Right. Yeah. they can't just
7: simply say, No, I can't do this. They have to find someone so they become a, an active participant in enabling that uh, assisted suicide uh, to take place, and uh, it, it once again it violates a reasonable person's re- you know religious beliefs and convictions sure. in most circumstances, as well as the Hippocratic Oath. Uh, and it, if they don't, I think this is really important people understand that they don't do it. If they don't do it, um, they're facing uh, you know first uh, malpractice and possibly being sued for malpractice. Uh, but also professional discipline, which could also mean them losing their license to medically practice, to practice medicine and to help and heal people in the future. Uh, So it's a a very intolerant uh, piece of legislation. Uh, The Democrats who control the state legislature and the the state House and the state assembly in in the state of California uh, are apparently very much behind this. Um, they're the ones, the Democrats, like assisted suicide in California as far as the politicians go. Uh, so um, it's going to be very, it's, it's a definite challenge to, to halt this because of the, the radicals in control of the state legislature, both in terms of the state assembly and the state senate in California.
1: Let me ask you about uh, the doctor uh, who's asked to assist or or to help provide whatever needs to be provided for suicide. Uh, does there have to be an established Doctor patient relationship there, but what if it's just somebody who who sees a doctor's name in the phone book and calls and says, uh, I need help uh, killing myself? Is that enough to trigger this uh, law?
7: Well, on its face, it is, uh, because there is no language uh, qualifying this as only applying to situations where they have a a prior uh, doctor patient relationship, you know, established relationship. That, that language isn't in there. Um, so this is very concerning. Um, on the face of it, uh, they could be, if they're contacted and, in their capacity as a doctor, uh, then on the face of it, this uh, this could apply.
1: And does it, I take it then it doesn't matter what their specialty is. I mean, if it's OBGYN, uh, it wouldn't matter.
7: Right. There's no qualifying language that they have to be a, uh, well, you know, an area of medicine that is in some way related to the condition that the person is uh, dealing with, the medical condition that they're dealing with. Uh, so exactly, it, it's just, uh, just being a doctor, an MD, and, um, and that's, um, that's uh, very, very concerning. Also in California, uh, you know, we already have assisted suicide. The problem right, with the is that it's not, it's not, um, uh, it's, it, assisted suicide is already very loose, and it's very easy uh, to to obtain. Um, so uh, that's, that's a, a big concern as far as the mental and emotional, even status of the person seeking this assistance uh, is, is a, you know, is not, cannot be a precondition for the doctor not wanting to cooperate either.
3: So California's laws currently protect a doctor who assists in the death of a patient at the request of the patient. Um, right. Right. And this would be one step further mandating that all doctors uh pro- provide that service
7: yeah, in effect yes that's correct and, um, and it doesn't because, have to be yeah.
3: anyone terminally ill it can be it i mean it 's clearly assisted suicide for any reason
7: yeah and and and, and mind you um it, it the language is so vague you know it doesn 't say you know uh, you know i mean we 're all effectively terminally ill. Uh, In a way, you know, So, in that regard. So it doesn't say, you know, if you have, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, one week to live or uh, months to live. Um, It's very broad in its language in California, which opens the door to anyone to get assisted suicide so long as in the past it was so long as they could find a doctor, you know, willing to to assist them and help them. Well, now the doctors are required to assist them and help them one way or the other either to do the, pr- the procedure or to find someone who is uh, willing to do that procedure. And unfortunately, there are there's so many doctors in our society today with um, who don't uh, have uh, the same values and respect of the Hippocratic Oath that uh, unfortunately that uh, is all too viable uh, to, to take place.
1: So where is this coming from? Uh, I mean, who's, who is promoting, besides the politicians in the legislature, Who's promoting this? Who, you know, put the bearer under their saddle?
7: Um, I, my understanding is this, I know from that the Democrats are behind it, um, and they they're the Democrat Party's behind it. The Democrat legislators are behind it. Um, you know, the I um, also understand that um, the, the, the uh, California Medical Association uh, is, is behind this. Uh, which is most concerning that uh, yeah they, well, they, well they actually they they shifted from opposition to neutrality um, with a promise that no doctor would be forced uh, to participate. That was with the original assisted legal suicide. So I got to backtrack on that one. We know that the Democrat Party goes behind it, and um, and and that's uh, that's that's very concerning. We have a um, a depreciation. This, is, in a broader sense, is a, is an evidence of a greater depreciation or life and the, and, and the sanctity of human life, uh, California has the most radical uh, legislation when it comes to uh, abortion. It has the, the most radical in terms of assisted suicide. Um, it's a um, you know, it, 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 there's just a a great de- depletion, if you will, of, of greater depreci- depletion of appreciation for the value and sanctity of human life, which should be concerning for anyone seeking medical services. Uh, at a hospital in, in in the state of California or any state that has this this kind of a philosophy of uh, regarding life.
1: Yeah, I'm not aware of any other state that goes this far that says that the doctor has to provide a substitute. Um, are you? Are there other or, or is it under consideration anyplace else? Yeah, I don't.
7: Um, and I apologize for the background noise. I'm in no, no, airport. we we
1: know where you're at. This is the second time we've interviewed you in an airport, by the way.
7: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the um, yeah I don't know of any other states. I do expect other uh, blue states, if you will, uh, states uh, dominated with Democrat uh, legislators uh, like uh, Oregon. We'll be watching Washington state. Uh, we'll be watching uh, some of the uh, northeastern states, Illinois. Uh, those are some of the, the states that we're going to be watching for this kind of uh, horrific legislation to to take hold
1: of. I take it uh, if it passes and is signed into law, there'll be some type of pre-enforcement legal action taken?
7: Um, Yeah, if it passes, signed into law, uh, we at Pacific Justice Institute uh, stand ready uh, to challenge it on behalf of doctors with uh, conscience, uh, beliefs, uh, convictions, or merely wanting to respect the Hippocratic Oath. I do believe we have a Supreme Court that, might because of President Donald Trump's appointments to the courts and this particular Supreme Court, we actually would have a, sh- a shot at, uh, at at this being uh, held to be a violation of their uh, their conscience, their First Amendment rights, the free exercise clause of the First Amendment. Uh, so yeah, that we at Pacific Justice stand ready. Uh, to defend any doctor in that situ- unfortunate situation of, of, of forced compromise. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and uh, I do want to, n- not to change the subject, but I do want to congratulate you on the uh, Supreme Court victory that you had uh, for opening up the churches in Santa Clara County. Uh, can you give us a little thumbnail uh, sketch of what was going on there? Oh, you bet.
7: Uh, after the Supreme Court ruled in the, um, you know, that California. I couldn't just ban all uh, indoor services for churches. Uh, Santa Clara County said, "Well, they're different because they're based not on the state law, but on their their own criteria, their own mandates." And and uh, they try to uh, do their own thing. Waffle, uh, you know. This is Santa Clara, Santa Clara County is in California, is the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, where Silicon Valley is located, the big tech. it's sort of this already has an, an attitude of a problem that, they, that somehow they're not. Um, you know they can do their own thing. Well, uh, we challenged that, um, and I got an initial injunction. But then the judge reversed, and then it went to the Ninth Circuit. The Ninth Circuit uh, ruled in favor of Santa Clara County, keeping those all those churches shut down, uh, no matter how big the church. They couldn't even have one person in the sanctuary. Uh, it was outrageous. And then we filed an, an emergency injunction. a writ for an emergency injunction with the United States Supreme Court. Um, you know, you've heard of you know Hail Mary passes. Well, this is like right. a Hail Mary mm-hmm. pass outside we're the stadium. We're like Catholic. We're
1: familiar with the Hail Mary.
7: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is this is a Hail Mary pass outside the stadium. I mm-hmm. mean, this is like an emergency injunction, and so this is what what happened. Um, the, the court granted it six to three, saying Santa Clara County and everywhere else, you, if you cannot shut down churches completely as so long as there's something else out there that's open, um, you know, other than a hospital and a police station. So this is a, a, a real victory, and I think it sends a loud signal that I believe uh, that we will not see uh, in the future ever again um, with this case law that's been established, uh, churches being treated like second-class citizens, completely shut down while Walmart and supermarkets are open. I think this is a major turning point. We at Pacific Justice Institute, uh, we're very pleased to be at the, a key uh, role in this by uh, filing this lawsuit and, and working hard to, but uh, by God's grace to get this decision. So
3: it's not just great for California, but it's something that every state can look towards in defending the church being open. Is that?
7: Oh yeah. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I, every, every, yes. Every judge, federal judge in the country uh, is aware of this, I'm sure. And, um, We'll take this into serious consideration on uh, any challenges to churches having being able to have some kind of a worship service, uh, indoor worship service, which is so important, particularly this time of year where it's so cold in so many parts of the country.
1: Yeah,
3: I read a little bit about it, and I have to say it was I. I it, you must have felt like Don Quixote uh, chasing windmills at this event, and the yeah. Holy Spirit to intervene and really give you a win in this was huge.
7: Yeah, this was a this was a a God thing. In my life, I can't remember a time the court granted an emergency injunction um, when the case was pending in it before circuit court, like the Ninth Circuit. They just said, you, it's it's, the, the, it's so high, it's so difficult. You have to show that there's, the, the court will see it and say that there's absolutely no way, you know, it's just obvious, just blatantly obvious. There's no way this can be looked at as any other way than needing an injunction. So it was, Extremely difficult. Our chief counsel Kevin Snyder, did a great job, but we knew a lot of people were praying, and we really appreciate that.
3: Yeah, no, uh, and uh, the other thing that amazes me is that three justices in the Supreme Court of the land could look at this case and decide that, no, it's correct, they can keep the churches closed. That just is, to me, unbelievable.
7: Yeah, and, and I'm glad you pointed out, because those kind of justices are the kind of justices that I believe President Biden would like to put on the court. Like Sotomayor, um, who I nicknamed the God-hater judge, is anything anything dealing with God or, or faith or religious right. freedom, she's always against it. Uh, Kagan is right behind her, as well as Breyer, sometimes. So uh, those, uh, you know, uh, if we get two more appointments, this could all all flip and switch. That's why religious freedom is so important. That's why it's so important that people be conscious of um, of who they vote for every election, uh, because our freedom and liberty is just one election away. Which just one or two court appointments away, well, um, and from, to me, from dissolving.
3: it to me it it feels as though the justices do not um, do not um, defend the Constitution of this country, which I thought that was the purpose of the Supreme Court, but that their their right. role they see their role is changing or modifying this, the Constitution of the United States.
7: Right, that's what the activist judges do. Fortunately, because of President Donald Trump's appointments, we have level-headed judges that look at original intent, and um, hopefully they'll they'll serve long well, okay. uh, in their tenure. And I just want to thank you guys so much for allowing me to be on the program. They're flagging me now to get on the plane. All right, oh, <laughs> All
1: right I've got your web page here, and I'll give it out. It's pacificjustice.org if anybody wants any more information on this or wants to follow uh, the uh, progress yeah. of what they're doing in these uh, cases in Europe. Uh, Services are free, and so you have yeah. somebody asked to pay it, so if people have uh, some loose change they want to send your way, I'm sure you'll be happy to take that.
7: Very happy, and we have offices all across the country, coast to coast. We're here to serve anyone without charge, uh, any church or parish without charge.
1: Thank you very much for joining us today. Safe travels. Safe travels, yes. Brad Dacus, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute out in California. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, and Gina and I will be back in just a couple minutes after these messages.
0: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning is provided by Five Sons Naturescapes. Five Sons Naturescapes is a Catholic veteran-owned family company providing premium outdoor landscaping, clean up and restore outdoor living space with retaining walls, privacy fencing, pergolas, paver sidewalks, and patios. Issues with soil settling and water around the foundation and yard? Five Sons Naturescapes can grade and install drainage tile to help. Five Sons Naturescapes online at
1: fivesonsnaturescapes.com.
8: Thank you, Skeffington's Formal Wear, for sponsoring Dowling Catholic High School football. In business since 1951, Skeffington's Formal Wear offers quality service, style, and selection, providing tuxedos, suits, and casual groom attire for weddings, proms, and any other special occasion. Skeffington's Formal Wear, with convenient locations in Des Moines, West Des Moines, Davenport, Coralville, and Ankeny. All locations are family-owned and operated by members in their respective communities, fitting you for life celebrations, online at skeffingtons.com. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. Things should be fair for the next few days. Our temperatures will be pretty pleasant with high pressure over the
1: area. Mostly sunny, mid-50s for the afternoon and a little bit gusty. Partly cloudy and our low tonight around 30. And then a sunny day tomorrow and a little bit cooler with our high near 52. The weather is brought to you by Divine Treasures, a Catholic book and gift store serving the Des Moines community for over 25 years. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton
8: on Iowa Catholic Radio.
1: And you're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. And right now we have Alexandria Schneider, who is the CEO of Life Legal Defense Foundation. Uh, Alexandria, good morning. How are you this morning? Good morning, Deacon Mike. I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Good. We're doing fine. Oh, it's such a nice day here in Iowa right now, uh, which is uh, not what it's been like for some time. But uh, we're we're enjoying it.
3: It's a good day for a
1: COVID vaccine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's (laughs) let's talk about the COVID vaccine. Uh, A lot of people are expressing some concerns about the vaccine. We've got a number of people that are expressing some moral concerns about it because of its connection, perhaps, with some uh, aborted stem cell lines. Other people are uh, expressing some uh, medical reservations about taking it. They're not sure about the drug. And uh, there are reports that uh, there have been people who have taken the drug have had miscarriages. I think there was the last count there was about three dozen women who are reporting miscarriages almost immediately after taking the drug. So the, the bottom line question for all of this, and we can talk about the individual uh, types of, of, of vaccine here, but the bottom line to all of this is if somebody is told they have to take the drug as a condition of employment or to be hired... Uh, or whatever or to travel uh, to travel are they required to do so
4: um, so the, the short answer is no, and that but that um, applies only to the current vaccines that are under what are called emergency uh, authorizations so the FDA has a, um, a statutory provision by which it can um, approve or preliminarily approve Uh, medical products including vaccines for the public use in times of emergency and that's what happened has happened here with the um with the two vaccines that are currently available and the one that is um that is right around the corner so right now um an individual must be given an opt-out option to the vaccine that could change if um if and when um, it's more when than if uh, the FDA actually goes through uh, these the vaccines actually go through the formal Fda approval process, but right now no um, uh, somebody cannot be mandated to take the vaccine and that is actually currently being tested in New mexico so we have uh, we have a case in New mexico and there's um, a similar case um, where the uh, a county uh, has ordered that it's um, it's first responders have the vaccine, and um, and we believe that is not a permissible mandate, and, and that is uh, going through the courts right now.
3: Be, um, and I just want to point out the difference here, because I, I have a sister who's in, a, a medical professional, and in order for her to mm-hmm. work at the hospital, she is required to have the flu vaccine each year. She has to prove that she's it. Mm-hmm. That. So that's the difference. Right. It's because
4: of the emergency... Um, authorization yes Yes. so it's a different um a different standard because these are untested vaccines so as you mentioned people not only have ethical issues with the vaccine they have medical issues with the vaccine because we don't know what the long-term effects are i mean this it vaccines don't typically get out to market in less than a year as this as these have and um and so the uh the federal law allows for, or not allows for, but actually requires a um, an opt-out provision for medical products that are under this kind of emergency use authorization.
1: Okay, thanks for clarifying that. Uh, so I take it then when uh, these uh, drugs are finally given final approval, then would an employer be able to say you have to take the drug, you have to be vaccinated, your kid has to be vaccinated?
4: So um, that that gets a little bit more tricky because um, most well, first of all, the Supreme Court a long time ago in a 1905 case actually said that um, vaccines are or forced vaccines are a permissible use of the state's police powers. And so, but most states, uh, 45 of the 50 states, have um, religious exemptions. So if somebody has a a religious uh, concern or an ethical concern such as uh, we have with some of these um, COVID vaccines, they would be allowed to opt out in all but five states. And those five states, I believe, are, um, well, I know California is one because I'm in California. California, New York, Maine, Mississippi, and West Virginia. Um, And I think Mississippi is working on some kind of workaround because they recognize that people uh, are likely to have um, ethical concerns with the COVID vaccine.
3: Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I noticed in the news recently that the uh, New Orleans uh, Louisiana Catholic Diocese has um, uh, warned their uh, Catholic community to stay away from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine.
4: Yes. Yes, the Johnson... Uh, well, the two... I don't know if you want to get into how um, how these vaccines work and yeah, that was where...
1: Yeah. yeah, that was going to be my next question. Is well, maybe it's ste- difficult
3: because there's a 100, I, last yeah. count, I saw there's 192 vaccines in development. Yeah. And there's probably um, mainly six or eight ways that these can be produced.
1: Yeah, let's uh, let's step back and, and go back to the beginning and talk about, uh, I think, the, the big problem morally with these people, uh, many of us who don't want to take the vaccine, is its involvement with aborted uh, cell lines. Um, yes. And some of them are more heavily involved than others, and I see people kind of splitting hairs here. So maybe you can bring this all into focus for us.
4: So um, the two vaccines that are currently widely available are produced by Pfizer and Moderna, and I think most people are familiar with those, uh, those names. They kind of won the um, Operation Warp Speed, um, or they were on the shortlist for Operation Warp Speed um both of those are what are called messenger RNA vaccines so the the recipient um, receives a um, basically a, a an instruction to their own cells that is not a virus but they um, it's an instruction that teaches their cells how to um, produce the spike protein that is characteristic of um, of coronavirus so uh, your cells produce a piece of that spike protein, and then immediately the idea is that your own immune system kicks in and develops antibodies to that, um, to that spike protein. And the actual um, RNA that's in the vaccine deteriorates rather quickly, so it doesn't stay in your body very long. Um, and then, but the immunity, theoretically at least, um, will last. Um, so would
1: that be a, to, a, akin to like oh, uh, a herd immunity that you would develop over time?
4: If, if enough people take the vaccine, and that's we can talk about that later, but that's okay. why there's so much pressure on people to take the vaccine. Sorry. So if enough okay. people take the vaccine or have had COVID and developed their own um, uh, natural antibodies, then um, then you would develop this herd immunity.
1: Okay.
4: So um, and all the vaccines would would do that in theory. Um, But in order to test this, this piece of the spike protein, um, both Pfizer and Moderna have used um, uh, fetal cells from, or a fetal cell line, I should say, not directly fetal cells, a a fetal cell line um, from an aborted baby. And in those cases, I believe they use what's called the HEK-293, Um, cell line, which is from a baby that was aborted in, um, uh, somewhere in the early 70s. They think likely like 1973.
3: That's what I heard. Um,
4: and then those lines were developed in the Netherlands and then are now widely available. So there are no actual aborted baby cells in the vaccine, in any of the vaccines, um, but in, in the, even in the testing. There are no um, aborted baby cell lines or cells actually that make its way, they're make, excuse me, that make their way into the vaccine. Um, because I've heard people say, oh, well, if you take a vaccine, any of the vaccines, it's like you're injecting yourself with the cells of a, an aborted baby. That's just not, that's not accurate to say. That's not to say that um, there are not ethical concerns with the vaccine, but I think it's important to, to be specific as to what those concerns are.
1: Now the Johnson and Johnson um, vaccine that's just out, that's a little different apparently from what I read. Yes.
4: Yes. That's what's called a viral vector vaccine. And so what that is, is it um, sends a modified version. You're injected basically with a modified, modified version of the virus that goes directly into you and then, that virus delivers an instruction to make the um, COVID antigen, so, um, which is also that spike protein, and then, you, um, and then you develop your own antibodies. So the end result is the same, but the process is different. The thing with the Johnson & Johnson um, vaccine is that in order to make those vaccines in the quantity that is needed, um, fetal cells fetal cell lines are used directly in the manufacturing process. So um, the, and I'm not a, I, I'm not a um, scientist, so I, I can only kind of describe how I have read how this works, but um, the, the fetal cell lines are like a little, uh, th- those cells are like little factories that, um, that produce the, the delivery mechanism for the, the vaccine.
3: That's right.
4: So um, that is, now, in those the, um, the the aborted fetal cell lines are more directly implicated because they're used in the actual manufacture of the vaccine. However, the end result, the vaccine that you get, is still not injecting yourselves with the cells of an aborted baby. So, I want to make that clear. Um, but there are certainly um, that that Johnson and Johnson. Um, vaccine is definitely more ethically um, compromised than uh, let's say the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines.
1: Okay. All right. So,
4: and the, the other thing with the Johnson and Johnson that I, I think people haven't really talked about is that um, the, the company that actually produced the, the vaccine is called Janssen. It's a su- subsidiary of Johnson and Johnson and they actually own a um, cell line from a baby that was aborted at eight weeks—excuse eight, uh, me—at 18 weeks in 1985. So they own that entire cell line; it's it's theirs, and um, that creates some issues as well in terms of who else can use it, and then which opens the door to—or is why people say, "Well, we need to have more aborted babies so we can do more research and more." You know, develop more of these cell lines, and um, so that there are some other ethical complications in um, in the proprietary nature of the the um, of Johnson Johnson's connection with that actual cell line. I,
3: I think one of the silver linings from this whole vaccine production and education process that we as citizens have come to know is that. So many more people are being made aware of um, the fetal tissue, the aborted uh, babies that are used in these productions, mm-hmm. and that there are alternatives. It, it, um i and, I'm, I'm just, and i 'm i 'm just i don 't know enough about the production, but I um, am learning and I need to spend more time at it but there 's actually another production process that uses insect cells, and there is mm-hmm. n- no testing, no um, production, no manufacturing using the fetal cells in that in that particular vaccine and I think when this is all said and done, I think we 're going to have a really good um, ability to do case studies to show. Efficacy and without the killing of, of human babies. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I have I have a problem yes. with the vaccines for these reasons. Go ahead, uh, Alexandria.
4: Yes, um, I mean the, the the reason people are saying that we need to use these aborted fetal cell lines is because um, they're human cells, obviously, um, and because they these fetal cells are don't need to be stored at cold temperatures. They're more hardy. They last longer. And so when you need to make a vaccine like this, and I'm not justifying their use, I'm just explaining. It's right. right. Um, yeah. It's always good to know to the other vaccine, side,
3: like, the arguments yeah, coming from
4: exactly. the other side. Sure. Exactly. And I, And I want to be careful because I've looked a little bit into the vaccine that you're talking about that uses these insect cells. And my understanding is that at this time, it is not as, As effective, although frankly, the Johnson and Johnson um, vaccine, we don't know the full efficacy, but right now it's um, they're touting it as I think sixty six percent, versus Pfizer and and Moderna, which is at ninety five percent with both of the uh, because
1: it's a yeah, it's
3: substantially different. um,
4: And you know, you throw those numbers around, but there
3: is efficacy is being defined differently with different percentages. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard some percentages of, well, you could still get the disease, but you're a hundred percent guaranteed not to ever have to go to the, ho- you know, it's just a mild case. Yeah. Um, and right. Or you could have a 99% chance of never getting the disease, but if you do, you could end up in, in, hospitalized, you know? So, um, yes, I think efficacy, when we say efficacy, we have to t- talk about efficacy against what mm-hmm. part of the disease and the symptoms
1: a disease that has yeah, a, no, a point, um, one zero percentage of um, death or something like that I mean it's a it's a it spreads quickly but um, the the numbers uh, percentage-wise of people that get it um, large numbers survive I have it, you yeah. know, and I survived. Right. Oh, that's a good question. If you've um,
3: contracted COVID and uh, survived, obviously, are you, do you need to take a vaccine? Do you are you would that be required? Especially if uh, you know um, once these become mandatory.
4: So, um, and I'm not sure with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, but I do know that people have been cautioned that if they've had COVID recently, they should wait to take the vaccines. So, um, because I think they just don't know how that kind of double, um, antibody will, will work or what, what effects that could possibly have. Um, and which poses a problem because if somebody doesn't know they've had COVID or, you know, I think a lot of people suspect that they may have had it at some point, um, but they didn't go get tested. I know people that have had it recently and for whatever reason never went to get tested. And so they're not a hundred percent sure. And so now, they don't know whether they should take the vaccine or not. These are well, all. I'd like to say that with <laughs> the
3: blood centers um, are always looking for blood donations. And uh, I know a few people who have, actually, I know two people who have gone to do, give their blood, their, their community service, and have tested positive for the antibodies. And so then the blood center took their plasma instead. And they had no idea that they'd ever been, had the disease or yeah. they don't even remember being sick.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an issue too. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, and I think they are recommending that you you check for antibodies before you get the vaccine um, because there are, I mean, I, I, the, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines in terms of the sheer numbers of people who have received them versus the numbers that have had complications, and there are complications, and there have been, um, I think, over a 1,000 deaths so far um, that seem to be directly attributable the vaccine, um, but uh, it is it is still relatively safe. But that exactly, you know, that doesn't mean I just read a story yesterday about a 28 year old woman who was completely healthy and um, who uh, developed a brain aneurysm shortly after receiving the vaccine. And you could say, well, there's no connection there, except we had cases last year, um, several cases of individuals who had um, brain aneurysms and who died of brain aneurysms ultimately um, who did not, who had COVID and they, they have found a connection between bleeding in the brain and, and COVID. So it doesn't happen every time, of course, but, um, but it has happened. So it wouldn't be completely irrational to think that the vaccine um, would also potentially produce that, um, that same create that same problem in somebody who is maybe already vulnerable. Um, yeah, and, so I'm,
1: and I'm sure this, um, these uh, tests and these results and these stories that we hear uh, will probably be used in court uh, one of these days when people are trying to force other people to take the vaccine and somebody doesn't want to take it because they've got, obviously there are medical complications like the three dozen Miscarriages that I mentioned at the beginning of the yeah yeah you know, uh, that uh, that do suggest that there are some risks in in taking the drug itself.
3: So,
4: bottom yes, line, yes. Um, uh, unfortunately, though, um, if the well when um, one of these vaccines or multiple vaccines receive formal FDA approval, um, there are no medical um, exemptions. So, there's a religious exemption. Many states also have a philosophical exemption, so um, if you're opposed to forced vaccines, let's say in general, but there are no med- no exemptions for um, people who have medical concerns with the with the vaccine. But that's so I down think that's the line. That's important to note,
3: right? But that's something we need to right. Potentially,
4: mm-hmm. yeah, and I mean, how long yeah. does
3: it take for the whole? Do, how, do you think they'll expedite the formal approval of the? vaccines or will this take five years or how do you see this playing out
4: yeah i'm not sure exactly how long the process is going to be i don't think they can really expedite it um they can perhaps put more resources, but you still have to go through the full um clinical trial process and um and then wait a period of time to see what this what the effects are look at all the adverse incidents and the adverse um incidents by the way are available on the hhs uh, Health and Human Services website. Okay. So they have a vaccine um, uh, reporting system, and you can see exactly um, what those comp- reported complications are. Now, the the concern that some people have is that um, there is typically se- severe under-reporting of these types of adverse effects because people don't think that they need to report or um, they may have... um Ideological reasons for not wanting to report an incident, and and it's completely voluntary. So um, it, I, I don't know exactly how scientific the um, the vaccine adverse event reporting system is, um, but those reports are available. Well, to hopefully,
1: the by the time they get around to uh, making these. Um, things permanent uh, and not emergency uh, vaccines, uh, the question will be moot, and we will have uh, a handle enough on the uh, disease that uh, we don't need to worry about this. Alexandria, we're uh, running out of time here. I want to thank you, though, for joining us today. We certainly appreciate your your guidance on this. And uh, I want to remind everybody that you're at LifeLegalDefenseFoundation.org. If somebody wants to check into your website, see what else you're doing, because I know you've been dealing uh, with the defense of David Delighton and others, uh, and uh, uh, people, I think, can follow your progress in these cases by going to that site.
4: Yes, thank you so much, and thank you so much for
1: having me. Oh, certainly. We Good certainly appreciate it. Thank you thank very you. much. Uh, Alexandria Schneider is the CEO of Life Legal Defense Foundation, and Gina and I will be back in just a couple of minutes after these messages. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio.
0: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning is provided by Five Sons Naturescapes. Five Sons Naturescapes is a Catholic veteran-owned family company providing premium outdoor landscaping, clean up and restore outdoor living space with retaining walls, privacy fencing, pergolas, paver sidewalks, and patios. Issues with soil settling and water around the foundation and yard? Five Sons Naturescapes can grade and install drainage tile to help. Five Sons Naturescapes online at fivesonsnaturescapes.com.
2: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Storm Alert Weather is provided by Divine Treasures. Divine Treasures is a Catholic book and gift store serving the Des Moines community for over 25 years. Their mission is to help Catholics know, love, and keep their faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and His Church. Divine Treasures is where you can find great Catholic books, beautiful Bibles, rosaries, jewelry, statues, and religious gifts for those memorable events in your life. Divine Treasures, 5701 Hickman Road, Des Moines, 515-255-5230. Thank you to Divine Treasures for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio.
8: Thank you, Skeffington's Formal Wear, for sponsoring Dowling Catholic High School football. In business since 1951, Skeffington's Formal Wear offers quality service, style, and selection, providing tuxedos, suits, and casual groom attire for weddings, proms, and any other special occasion. Skeffington's Formal Wear, with convenient locations in Des Moines, West Des Moines, Davenport, Coralville, and Ankeny. All locations are family-owned and operated by members in their respective communities, fitting you for life celebrations, online at skeffingtons.com.
2: Thank you, Caldwell Parish, for underwriting Iowa Catholic Radio. Conform to the wishes of the deceased and the Catholic liturgical burial traditions. Caldwell Parish Funeral Home, Des Moines' only Catholic-owned and operated funeral home.
7: CaldwellParish.com Hi, this is Joe Stopulus. Thank you to Construction Professionals for underwriting Man Up. Monday mornings at 9 on Iowa Catholic Radio. Construction Professionals, a Catholic family business built on a strong foundation. Cpcustomhomes.com.
1: And we're back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Gina, you wanted to say something about a letter. I
3: I do. Um, I know we talked about vaccines and and the uh, ethical objections to some of them. And I want to point out that the Catholic Medical Association does encourage you to get vaccinated. It is also in our um, as our duty as a uh, member of a community to protect each other so vaccines are important but the catholic medical association also has a template that after you've gotten the vaccine or even before to send a, a letter template to the manufacturers with your moral objections and that is doing your due diligence as a catholic okay
1: I'll post that that
3: link at our Facebook website.
1: That'll be fine. That'll be fine. I think we're pretty much out of time right now. Uh, Get an interesting show, but let's end with our prayer. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week. In the meantime, have a blessed and peaceful week. Our freedom of
0: conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial, Thursdays at 10 a.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com,
1: and the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients.